Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist. Good to be with you this morning. If you haven't already filled out the attendance pads, please do that. There are attendance pads in each of the pews. You can fill those out, pass them along to others worshiping beside you this morning so that we have a record of your presence here with us in worship this day. As you do that, you also have an insert in your bulletin that has the announcements on it, so I encourage you to look that over. The uh, community baby shower, all of the items for that are due back today, so hopefully you, you brought them uh, with you today. I uh, want to remind you that the family night that we had originally planned to have this evening has been uh, canceled, postponed. We're going to have one at the end of October, so no fa uh, church family night this evening. Also, a note there that, uh, that the fellowship hall and uh, this hallway down here is going to be closed uh, during the week this week. All of those floors are getting stripped and waxed, and so that part of the building down there is going to be, uh, you're not going to be able to access that part of the building during the week this week, just to uh, take note of that. There's a mention there about the festival of sharing. We brought all of the kits were due back last week, and those are being delivered this weekend to the festival of sharing. And uh, you all delivered 36 hygiene kits and 100 school kits. So thank you to you for, uh, for your contribution to the Festival of Sharing. The, um, if you're on our email list, uh, you, you saw the email that came out on Friday. The administrative board had their uh, regular board meeting on Thursday. And as a part of that board meeting, discussed the uh, congregational meetings that we have had recently regarding the issue of disaffiliation, and at the administrative board meeting, uh, they did make the decision to um, table any further discussions of disaffiliation. Uh, what that means for us is that nothing changes. We continue forward as a United Methodist Church, as we have been. That can be um, brought back up for discussion in the future if something changes, if there are situations within the church that change, or if the administrative board feels that it's necessary to, to discuss those things again, it can be brought back up, but for now, uh, those discussions have ended, there won't be further congregational meetings, there won't be uh, any voting, uh, we're just moving forward as the United Methodist Church and uh, united in ministry and in witness. I want to thank uh, the administrative board for all of the hard work that they've done. I want to thank everybody here who has been a part of those congregational meetings that we've had for the way that you have handled it, the way you've handled yourself, uh, the way that we have shown uh, love to one another as a congregation through this difficult time. I want to thank God especially for leading us through this and leading us into the future. And so as we enter this time of worship, I'd just ask you to bow with me in prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for being our sovereign Lord, Lord of each one of us and Lord over this congregation. I thank you for leading us forward. I ask you to continue to bless us with your Holy Spirit. Bless us with your spirit of holiness. Bless us with your spirit of oneness. Bless us with your spirit of peace. Fill us with your Holy Spirit in this time of worship that we might worship you in spirit and in truth this day and every day. We pray in Jesus' name.
please stand for the call to worship and remain standing for the opening hymn number 117. Gaze into heaven and see the glory of God. Lift up your eyes to behold the risen Christ. Indeed, you have tasted the goodness of God. You have known the presence of Christ, God's chosen one. Then let us lay our troubles at Christ's feet. Let us enter the sanctuary God prepares for us. Remain standing for hymn 117. be seated and I invite you to join me in the opening prayer creator parent of all humankind whose love for all of us was revealed in Christ Jesus Jesus Christ draw us into a relationship of trust in you 
that will help us day by day to discern more clearly the way, the truth, and the life you intend for us. Help us in all humanity, humility to follow Jesus, to do the works of Christ without calling attention to ourselves. We long to become that spiritual household of mutually caring people that Jesus sought to model among us. Amen. And now, and now, and now if the children will come forward to get a free snack, by the way, and hear an incredible story. Yes, I'm going to wait for all of you who want to come up because I know you're not going to want to miss this. This is going to be great. I got a PowerPoint presentation. This will be awesome. You'll really like it. Okay? Oh, yeah, you'll like it. All right. So I saw something just good and beautiful this morning. A few things. I got up and I looked out the window and I saw a red bird on the bird bath taking a drink of water. It was really beautiful. It was good. And I saw a nuthatch, which is a different bird, a smaller one. They eat upside down a lot. And then there was a morning dove on the ground. And then I came to, we came to church. There was a bright thing in the sky. What's that called? The sun. Oh, it was nice and warm. And the sun gives us life and it makes things grow. It's beautiful. You see, good things are those things that, that can give us joy, that makes us smile or laugh. Can you name maybe one good thing in your life that you really like? You don't have to, but if you want to. Football. Football. Basketball. Basketball. You want to say something? Yeah, all right. Did you want to say anything? All right. So where do good things come from? This is where the PowerPoint comes in. All right. Old school PowerPoint. Okay. This was PowerPoint before it was invented. Everything, can you read that? Everything, everything good comes from God. Everything good comes from God. James 1, 17, everything. The things you like, the food you eat, the people who love you, the people you love, the beautiful church you get to come and worship God in, the people who teach you, your friends at school, playing outside, all the good, th all good things come from God. Now, here's what you get to learn. We're going to do this, and the congregation may do this. We may teach them. We'll see. This is, this is, the, this is the lesson. Three words. Can you read that? God is, oh, I'm sorry, I cheated, I, I read it for you, is, can you say God is good? All the time, and all the time, let's see if the congregation can do that, God is good, and all the time, so when you enjoy something in life that's good, you can just thank God because it's come from Him, oh, and something else good. If your parents will let you eat these, there. 
parents or grandparents, whoever's here, there you go. Just for you, all right? Thank you for coming. Thank you, Vic. Thank you to the children. Today is a, is a special day here at Faith Community. We are celebrating our 50th anniversary here in this location. It was uh, 50 years ago yesterday that the first worship service was held in this building, and it was, this building was consecrated uh, to the glory of God. And uh, so we're celebrating that today. Now, one thing that uh, we were supposed to do uh, was to open a, a time capsule. There is a time capsule, perhaps two, um, that uh, were, were supposed to be open today, um, but we're not opening them, and I'll tell you why. Um, we're not exactly sure which cornerstone they're behind, <laughs> and we don't want to tear out the wrong one. <laughs> But here, here's the thing, the, the building, this building was uh, dedicated in 1972. In 1976, the cornerstone uh, that is on the north wall right outside of the office was put in place with a time capsule behind it that included a uh, membership list at that time and a number of other, 14 other uh, things were in that. Now, as you're aware, uh, the building was hit by the tornado in 2020 and a lot of damage was done and uh, the building was, was rebuilt. And at the uh, rededication in 2001, there was a cornerstone put in uh, at the end of the education building. You'll see it if you go in that door down by the uh, playground, you'll see that uh, cornerstone that says 2001, and that was the rededication following uh, the tornado. And there was a time capsule placed at that time, uh, the rededication of 2001. Now, we're not sure if it was the original time capsule that was taken out and stuff added to it and then put back in, and if so, if it was put in the original uh, cornerstone or the 2001 cornerstone, or if there are two different time capsules, one in the original and one in the 2001. But rather than tearing out the wrong cornerstone, uh, we uh, have a list of the items that are in the cornerstone from 2001. There is in there a John Sale Manor memorial book, a 100-year book of the Methodist Church, Newspaper article about Trinity Methodist building program 1969 through 70 when this uh, property was uh, beginning to be developed for, for this church. Uh, Faith Community United Methodist 2001 membership list. Building committee report for the remodeling of Faith Community United Methodist completed September 1999. Dedication booklet for services of remodeling the church. A copy of the 1995 and 1996 church history. Cornerstone document from 1995, the 25th anniversary of Faith Community United Methodist Program, a program from the cornerstone laying in 1999, pictures from the 1999 cornerstone laying, a copy of Blessed to be a Blessing, fundraising program for the remodeling program, copies of the trustee meetings, the, the trustee minutes of the special meeting after the September 20th, 2000 tornado, a tornado letter from Dr. Thomas Wilson, District Superintendent. Pictures of the damage to Faith Community United Methodist Church Building. Newspaper articles announcing the return and rededication of Faith Community United Methodist. Mini plan of the new church layout and a holy Bible. So those are all in that time capsule and they will remain in that time capsule for future generations. Perhaps it can be opened on the 100th anniversary, but 
Uh, in lieu of opening that time capsule today, we do have the, the table set out in the narthex with a, a whole bunch of memorabilia from the history of this church and our predecessor churches, First and Trinity. And uh, so I hope that if you didn't get a chance to look at that uh, as you came in, I hope that you do on the way out. I want to share with you something from uh, this little booklet, Two Churches Become One, which was uh, produced uh, at the 25th, at, for the 25th anniversary. And I want to read you a little bit of it. It says, groundbreaking ceremonies were conducted on May 2nd, 1971, and Reverend Raymond D. Pope, senior pastor, used as his sermon topic, shall we build a temple or a tomb? Members of the congregation participated by pulling a long rope attached to a plow. Anyone remember that? Yeah, a couple people remember that. Part of the past took its place with the new. Stained glass windows from the old Trinity building, which was later raised, were salvaged for the new church. The organ from First Church was dismantled and reassembled in the new structure. The pews and many of the furnishings and appointments in the new church were gifts from the congregation. Colorful felt banners bearing Christian symbols were hand-sewn by women of the church and hung in the walls of the sanctuary. Old First Church was last used for worship services on September 10th, 1972. On September 17th, 700 people attended consecration services for Faith Community United Methodist, led by Bishop Francis Gerald Ensley, District Superintendent James E. Flinchball, Reverend Raymond D. Pope, Senior Pastor, and Reverend W. Thomas Beckett, Associate Pastor. So that was 50 years ago, and I know that there are some people here today who were here for that service 50 years ago. If you were here for that service, would you just raise your hand where you are? Several up here, several back there, yes. Uh, and in addition to that, I would like to ask you if you have been a member of this church since that time or before that time, if you've been a member of this church uh, for all of those 50 years and perhaps even more years before that, would you just stand where you are, please? And I want you to, yes, stay, stay standing for a moment, because I want you to, those of you who are standing, to take a look around the sanctuary at everybody else that is here. Everybody else that is here is here in some sense, either directly or indirectly, because of you because of your dedication to building this church and for continuing this church for these past 50 years. And we owe you a debt of gratitude. Thank you. If you would join me in prayer. Lord, we give you thanks. We give you thanks for this church body and for this wonderful facility that you have given into our use that we can use it for your glory. Lord, we have been here now for 50 years witnessing to your truth, witnessing to the community around us. And we thank you for all of the many people who have come through this place, who have experienced your grace in a special way through the ministries of this church and who have reached out to others because of that grace. We pray, Lord, that that will continue for many years forward, for another 50, for another 100 years, that your spirit would continue to move through this building and through all of the people who come here, that we might know the truth of the gospel, that we might proclaim the truth of the gospel, that others might receive that truth 
and might live in your name. Amen. I invite you now to join in our prayer hymn, which is in the hymnal at number 171. There's something about that name. Let us sing together. Continue in prayer. Oh Lord, we are so greatly blessed, blessed beyond comprehension for having received the grace of knowing you, having received the grace of being drawn to you, of receiving your salvation. Salvation that comes only in the name of Jesus. What a beautiful, what a glorious name that is. For in that name there is life like no other. Lord, thank you for drawing us into your family and offering that gift of salvation to us. Lord, thank you for being there through all of our trials, through all of our struggles, that no matter what is going on around us, that we know we have a Savior in you. We know that we have a strong foothold in you. We know that you are watching over us, that your protection surrounds us, that you will indeed build us up and bring us to that bright and shining place. Lord, we know that there are many others out there, even in this community and all around the world, who are not nearly as blessed as we are to have received that promise. Lord, we pray for each one of them. Lord, may you reveal yourself to them in a special way, that they might know that indeed there is a God who loves them, 
who's watching out for them, who wants eternal life for them. Lord, heal the brokenness in our world. Lord, inspire us to reach out and concern to others, those who are hungry, those who are homeless, those who are sick, those who are imprisoned. Lord, give us a heart to minister in your love to all people. We pray these things in Jesus' name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship God through the giving of our tithes and offerings as the ushers wait upon us.
Please join me for the prayer of dedication. We commit ourselves to you, gracious God, as we dedicate material gifts that represent our labor. When we ponder the amazing wonder of life, we are filled with awe. When we remember Jesus as the cornerstone of our spiritual house, you are seeking to build in our midst. We are eager to help. Let your face shine on us and on this offering that your mighty acts may be proclaimed to all the world. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. The gospel in John 14, verses 1 through 11. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father and it is enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? You do not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me and does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. The word of God for the people of God. Peter God, please be seated.
Thank you, choir. I may be a little biased, but that sounded great. <laughs> I want to say a special thank you to, to Glenn. Um, you know, when, when Glenn filled in last year as choir director, uh, he said that that was it, that uh, we needed to find a new choir director, and we made that commitment that we would find a new choir director, we wouldn't ask him to do it again. And we didn't ask him to do it again because we wanted to honor that promise. But uh, when we got around to choir season and we still hadn't found a new choir director, uh, Glenn stepped up and said, I'm not going to let it drop. I'll, I'll keep it going. And so thank you, Glenn. My wife and I are both fans of the Star Wars movies. We've also been enjoying some of the Star Wars-based spin-off television series on Disney+. Most recently, we've been watching The Book of Boba Fett. That's not what we were hoping to watch, though. When we started, we were really looking for the third season of The Mandalorian. But apparently, that's not coming out until sometime next year. We really enjoyed the first two seasons of The Mandalorian. It's the show that introduced Baby Yoda. You know, Baby Yoda? My wife loves Baby Yoda. Last year for her birthday, everything was Baby Yoda-themed. In addition to Baby Yoda and some good storytelling and some great action, The Mandalorian also introduced a famous catchphrase. This is the way. The Mandalorians, as a race, hold to a strict code of conduct, ethic, and order. Whenever there's a mission to be accomplished, whenever their ethic might be challenged, whenever the Mandalorians faithfully adhere to their strict code, whenever their order is upheld, the response is always the same. This is the way. Jesus referred to himself as the way. The early church, the first followers of the risen Christ, long before they were referred to as Christians, they were called people of the way. People belonging to the way stood out in those days because of their unique ethic, their radical sense of community, sharing everything they owned, giving to anyone in need, the bond of love they shared with one another, the ways in which they expressed peace and forgiveness, even to those who opposed them and persecuted them. As those early disciples went about their lives, living into that unique ethic of love, I'd imagine that each time one of them successfully returned love for hate, peace for violence, generosity for greed, whenever they met hardship with joy or temptation with endurance, I picture those disciples looking at one another and saying, this is the way. Belonging to the way meant more than simply believing that Jesus is who he said he is. It meant giving their lives over to him and living according to the way of Jesus. All of this was set up by Jesus himself when he said to his disciples, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We're looking at the I am statements of Jesus from the Gospel of John. There are seven in all. This is the sixth. Although Jesus kind of sneaks three in one here. It's like the holy trinity of I am statements. I am the way, the truth, and the life. All three have a distinct meaning, but together they all mean one thing. So let's look at what Jesus is saying about himself here. First, Jesus is the way. On one level, this is saying something that has already been said. In chapter 10, Jesus had said, I am the gate, or I am the door. 
We saw that the sheepfold represents the green pastures and the still waters to which God leads us, salvation and the promise of eternal bliss. The only way to get into that sheepfold is through Jesus. He is the gate or, or the door through which we must pass in order to be saved. No doubt he means much the same thing here in chapter 14 when he calls himself the way. He makes that meaning explicitly clear in the very next sentence. No one comes to the Father except through me. Through me. Through the gate. Through the door. Through Jesus. We must go through Jesus to get to the Father. That is a large part of what he means by saying, I am the way. But he means even more than that. In the Gospel of John, there's always more. The word way back then didn't mean a door to go through. Rather, it meant a path to go down, or a road to go along. This is the way to Jerusalem meant you take this road and you follow it all the way until you get there. If somewhere along the way you turn off onto a different road, then you are no longer on the way. Drawing closer to the Father, coming to salvation, entering the kingdom of God, it's not just a matter of going through the door of Jesus. It means that, yes, he already made that clear, but more than that, it means walking the path of Jesus, staying on the road with Jesus, following the way that Jesus has shown. This is the way. It is significant that this statement of Jesus comes during the Last Supper. It comes in the midst of, of a familiar passage, which we often read at funerals. It's easy to see why we read it at funerals, why it offers such comfort. Let not your hearts be troubled, says Jesus. In my Father's house there are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. I will come again and will take you to myself, so that where I am you may be also. These are the promises that we need to hear when we approach the deep mystery of death. Jesus was preparing his disciples to face his own impending death. And Jesus knew it would be an excruciating death, torturous not just for him to go through, but torturous as well for his friends to have to witness. They would be terrified. They would be confused, bewildered, dismayed. But he wanted them to understand that this crucifixion was not a defeat. Rather, it would be the ultimate triumph, opening the way to God the Father, opening the way to heaven, opening the way to eternal life. And you know the way to where I am going, Jesus said to his disciples. You know the way to where I am going. He had been teaching them, the way all along. They have been witnessing the way for three years, but they still didn't understand. Thomas, bless his heart, Thomas was the one who had the guts to admit it. Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How could we know the way? There's some wisdom in that query. How often do we wander around aimlessly in life, not sure where we're headed? Many years ago, I used to like going for long drives with no particular destination in mind. I'd just go out driving until I got lost. 
and then I would drive around some more until I found my way back. And then once I got home, I'd get out a map and I'd trace all the places that I had driven. With gas prices now, I don't do that anymore. I need to know exactly where I'm going and the best way to get there. But that's the thing. In order to know the best way to get there, you have to know where you're going. It's the same thing in life. If you don't know where it is you want to get in life, how could you know the way to get there? You're just going to wander from one thing to another, never really arriving anywhere. The disciples were baffled by what Jesus was saying. They didn't understand where it was he was going. How could they possibly know the way to get there? It is in response to that question that Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If your ultimate destination is life, abundant life, eternal life, life in relationship with the Father, then Jesus is the way. Where was Jesus going? He was going to be with his Father. He he was going to glory. He was going to take his rightful place at the head of all creation. That is ultimately where he was going. And he let his disciples know, and us too, that we can be there with Him, that He wants us to be there with Him. He will bring us there with Him. He is the way to that eternal and perfect kingdom of God. But before He could get there, before He would go there, first He would go to the cross. When Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you are going, there's perhaps a bit of irony in that statement. Back in chapter 11, when Jesus told his disciples it was time to go to Judea, some of the disciples balked at the idea. They objected. They said that the Jews were trying to kill him in Judea. Going to Judea at that point would mean certain arrest and death for Jesus. It was a suicide mission. But Jesus insisted it was time to go. And it was Thomas who said, let us go also that we may die with him. Let us go also that we may die with him. The disciples knew that going into Judea would mean the death of Jesus and possibly even their own. And Thomas said, let us go also that we may die with him. Now in chapter 14, here they are in Judea, in Jerusalem, at the meal that would later become known as the Last Supper. Jesus is talking about being taken away, being handed over. And the same Thomas, who had earlier said, let us go also that we may die with him, now says, we don't know where you're going. How could we know the way? Where Jesus was going, most immediately, was to the cross. He was going to glory, yes, he was going to God, but first he must go to the cross. And on some level, the disciples knew it. They knew that when Jesus went up to Jerusalem, he was going there to die. And they went with him along the way. They went with him along the way to death because on some level they understood even if they were in denial about it, even if they were fearful and hoped that it wasn't true, on some level they knew that the way to life with God is through death to self. 
that the way to eternity goes through the cross. The way that Jesus revealed to the disciples and to us is a way of self-sacrificial love. It is in surrendering self over to God that we receive back from God the abundant life that He has for us. It is in picking up our own cross, faithfully bearing the burdens God gives us, faithfully walking the path along which He leads us, trusting that His grace will bring us through all things. This is the way to life. Living according to the future glory, even in the present. Living by God's kingdom values, even in a fallen world. Giving ourselves over to love in the face of hatred. To community and acceptance in the face of rejection. Exuding peace in the face of violence. Exhorting justice in the face of oppression. This. This is the way. It is the way that Jesus not only taught, but demonstrated for his three years of public ministry. It is the way of Jesus' life which makes the demand of us, not just of intellectual assent to the truth of Jesus by which we pass through the door, but faithful trust in Jesus by which we walk the path with him. A road that first leads to the cross But if we stay on that road with him through the cross, then leads to life and glory. The third part of this I am trinity is the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. By calling himself the life here, Jesus intends much the same double meaning as he does with the way. He is the life in the sense that life comes from him. He is the bread that feeds us. He is the vine through which life flows into us. He is the one who defeats death. He He is also the one who shows us what true life looks like. He is the one who reveals God's intention for all of humanity. I am the life means Because you live in me, so too you can live like me. Because I live in you, your life is transformed to look more like mine. I am the life. The second part of the statement, though, the second part is perhaps the part that trips people up the most. I am the truth. I am the truth. We live in a society that believes that all truth is relative. You have your truth, I have my truth. That's what we're told. To claim that there is a universal truth that applies to everyone, that's seen as arrogant and pretentious. Many people have turned away from Christianity, not because they have anything against the person of Jesus, but because they can't accept the claim of Jesus that he is the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. To me, though, that doesn't need to be an exclusionary stumbling block. Jesus is not saying that only explicitly Christian people get into heaven. That that wouldn't make sense, given that the Bible talks about Old Testament figures being in paradise. 
If only explicitly Christian people get into heaven, how did people who lived and died before there was even any such thing as Christianity get in? What Jesus means is that were it not for him, without what he did, living the perfect life, dying the perfect death as the perfect sacrifice for the atonement of sin, without that, no one gets in. Not you, not me, not the best Christian in the world, not any of the heroes of the Old Testament. No one could ever approach the glory of God in His holy splendor were it not for Jesus opening the door. Jesus paving the way. That is the truth of the Gospel. And it is true whether you are a Christian or not, whether you believe it or not, whether you know it deep down in your soul, or if you've never heard it before in your life, Jesus is the truth. Anyone, anyone who is with God the Father is there because Christ brought them there. Whether they know it or not. Anywhere in the world where God is reconciling people to Himself, He is doing so only because of what Jesus did for them on the cross. There is something. There is something that happened in the incarnation and on the cross and in the empty tomb that objectively changed reality for all time. Not not just for us, but for all the world. Jesus is the truth. God's desire and design for us is that we believe the truth of Jesus and that through that truth we enter the door of salvation. But more than that, God's desire and design for us is that by embracing the truth of Jesus, we will walk in the way of Jesus. We will turn away from the lies and empty promises of this world because we know, we have seen the truth shown in Jesus. So we reject violence as an answer to our problems. So we renounce hatred and prejudice. So we shun the pursuit of riches at the expense of others. So we run from the idea of self-promotion. So we revolt at the suggestion that pleasing our own wants is the way to happiness. Because if Jesus is the truth, then all those other things are lies. but I can only have the courage to reject all those lies. I can only have the tenacity to withstand the ways of the world. I can only have the fortitude to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness if I have the faith to proclaim that Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the way Jesus is the life. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite you to stand as you are able for our closing hymn, which you can find in the hymnal at number 181. Ye servants of God, let us sing together.
invite you to be seated for the benediction, and following the benediction, the choir will present the choral benediction, and then they will recess out. Once the choir has recessed out, then you are dismissed as well. As you go from this place, may you continue to walk in the way of Jesus, for he is the truth, and in him is life. Go in the name of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.